Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now, today we're going to bring you an inside look into the largest liquor company in the Philippines. That is also the world's biggest brandy manufacturer. Now, founded in 1979, Emperador is a holding company that operates an integrated business of manufacturing. Bottling and distributing distilled spirits and other alcoholic beverages from the Philippines and Europe. Its consolidated portfolio includes brands like the Emperador Light and whiskey brands like the Delmore. It also entered the global Scotch whiskey business through the acquisition of White and Mackay in 2014. The Manila-listed firm made its debut on the SGX last July and became a constituent of the Straits Times Index last September, making it the second regional spirits company listed on the exchange after Thai beverage. Now, so what is the role of Emperador's Singapore business in the bigger scheme of things? Now, meanwhile, the company saw revenues increase by 10% year-on-year to some 47 billion Philippine peso in the first nine months this year. Emperador said its international business continued to experience double-digit growth, particularly in Asia and North America. But why is this the case, and what are the key drivers of growth for the firm in the near future? Well, for more, let's speak to Glenn Manlapas, CEO of Emperado International Division. And、uh, Glenn, welcome. Thanks,、uh, Tian Tian. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on board. And Glenn, we've briefly talked about Emperado as the world's biggest brandy manufacturer. You have an integrated business of manufacturing, bottling, and distributing spirits and other beverages from Philippines and Europe. But let's hear from you. How would you define your value proposition and business model? You know, Tian Tian Emperador's value proposition is、uh, very unique.、Um, our value proposition is Emperador honors the everyday successes of its consumers through outstanding product offerings for all occasions, to all walks of life, all over the world. Honoring everyday success is more compelling than just celebrating it. It means hitting the core of what drives success amongst our consumers. Which is all about their passion, determination, and、uh, and their drive to succeed. Our business model is all about delivering its objectives by capitalizing on its global presence, a、uh, product portfolio inspired by grounded consumer insights, and、um, obviously managing overall stakeholder expectations. Tian Tian. Mm. And let's talk a little bit more about your consolidated portfolio. It includes brands like the Emperado Brandy, which is the world's largest selling brandy by volume, and the Scotch whisky brand White and Mackay. Now, strictly from a business standpoint, right? How would you describe your product verticals, and which is the most important one when it comes to capturing market share or profit generation?、Um, the growth of brown spirits globally is what drives. Emperador's product vertical strategy,、um, brown spirits. That is,、um, when I say brown spirits, we're talking about two. This is brandy and whiskey. Its、uh, brandy portfolio, led by Emperador and Fundador Brandies, continues to dominate markets such as Spain, South America, Mexico, and the Philippines.、Uh, we have now expanded our footprint in markets such as North America and Asia. Um, Emperador is the undisputed market leader for brandies in the Philippines, and Fundador is the king of Spanish brandies.、Um, 
uh, Emperador's Whiskey Portfolio, spearheaded by single malt icons such as the Dalmore, Jura, and Tamnavulin, is consumed in more than 100 countries and available in at least 400 airports. Jura is um, the largest selling malt in the UK. And Tamnavulin is the world's fastest growing malt over the last three years. And uh, the Dalmore, which you mentioned earlier at the beginning of the program, continues to be the apex of single malt and is quoted as the most revered whiskey in the world. Um, both portfolios of Emperador, Brandy, and Single Malt are equally important in achieving market-leading positions globally and, um, as you mentioned earlier, generating profits. One of our strategies is called premiumization. And it is a key strategy which actually propels better margins for both our brandy and whiskey portfolio. So in a nutshell, both portfolios are important. One would play a different role than, than the other, obviously. Hmm. And let's take a look at your positioning for Emperado, Glen. I believe the firm owns a diversified portfolio of brands all the way from mainstream to standard, premium, and thereby luxury. Uh, what would you consider your positioning against other industry players and how far has diversification bolstered your top and bottom lines? Mm, I think the best way to answer that question, Tian Tian, is our positioning strategy is to make sure all our brands have a clear positioning. Um, accessible brands such as Emperador and Fundador are distributed, visible and activated in channels where consumers geared towards this price point normally converge. Standards such as Tamnavulin, which is essentially an entry-level malt, is positioned in locations with strong consumption uh, for blended whiskies. Um, luxury brands such as Dalmore are in places where, you know what's interesting, Tian Tian, is Dalmore it does not actually compete with whiskies. It actually competes with its peers in the luxury space, such as um, high-end watches, expensive art pieces, hypercars, and the like. So that's the kind of um, space where Dalmore operates. Di diversification has indeed been, as, as you mentioned, um, has indeed been instrumental in driving both revenues and profit. Um, if you, if, you, if you heard at the beginning of um, uh, my statement earlier on your first question, there is a very strong focus uh, on single malts as far as Emperador is concerned because single malts obviously has driven winning scores for us in the bottom line. Because single malts is usually perceived as products with higher consumer value than, than blended whiskies. Hmm. And don't mind me asking this, um, Glenn, you mentioned about the Dalmore being compared against, you know, playing the space against art pieces, uh, luxury watches, and etc. Are we looking at the Dalmore then as an investment instrument more so than a, a consumption good? That's a, that's a very good question. We get that uh, all the time. Well, Dalmore is the apex of single malt. So the value uh, perception on Dalmore is really very high. Obviously, for a uh, commercial man like myself, there's nothing like drinking Dalmore. But obviously, we have seen a lot of uh, connoisseurs who are actually um, collecting and keeping these real, very high-end releases of the Dalmore for, uh, you know, for futures. Uh, I think they're looking at it because they believe that the value is going up when in reality it does. It's, it's actually going up. Let me take the case of, for instance, a very 
uh, a, a part of our core collection, which is the 18-year-old Dalmore. Um, the Dalmore 18 is such in high demand globally that we have now put it in allocation, just like all the others in, in, the, in the portfolio. And the value has just doubled year on year. Um, you know, some people are looking at the Dalmore 45, which is uh, which retails at roughly about um, twenty thousand US dollars a bottle. Uh, and yeah, that's a Dalmore 45 USD. That is USD. Uh, and uh, and th- th- that uh, that particular um, uh, SKU or that particular brand has been growing. The value has been growing year on year. So, yeah, there's nothing like, look, the Dalmore, the taste of the Dalmore is so complex. It is so good to drink. But obviously, a lot of, uh, a lot of individuals are looking at Dalmore as an investment piece. And I can't blame them because the value is really going up year on year. Hmm. Okay, and I do want to um, sidestep to take a look at Emperador's geographical presence and particularly its presence in Singapore because you guys made your debut on the Singapore Exchange last July and I believe back then the firm said it decided to list in Singapore to take advantage of Singapore's status as a global financial hub. Could you elaborate further on that and how does the listing in Singapore support your geographical expansion plans looking ahead? You know, being a very strong financial hub, Singapore is a fantastic window in showcasing Emperador, Fundador, and the White and Makai branch to the world. Obviously, on top of its presence in the Philippine Stock Exchange. Um, since Emperador's listing in SGX, it had broader and deeper coverage from reputable analysts in Asia and across the globe. Uh, likewise, uh, Emperador, or EMI, as uh, what is uh, um, what, what is being used in the SGX. EMI is now in the following indices. It's in the PSEI, which is the benchmark index of this, the Philippine Stock Exchange. Um, it's an STI, Straits Times Index, which is the benchmark index of SGX. It's in FTSE All Cap. It's in FTSE All World. And huge and reputable organizations since its listing in SGX globally have been reaching out to us. Uh, and exploring potential commercial opportunities. Um, the benefit definitely has been tremendous. And we believe that this decision is um, very strategic. And we believe that the best is yet to come with uh, its listing in Singapore. Mm, I love how you mentioned that the best is yet to come. More exciting plans brewing, I'm sure. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Emperador's financial performance, Glenn. I believe the company saw revenues increase by 10% year-on-year to around 47 billion Philippine pesos in the first nine months this year. And if we look at net income from January to September, though, it is down 5.6% on the year. Now, why is this the case? Have rising costs begun to bite? Mm, Since the markets have opened, um, Emperador has resumed operations. When I say resumed operations, we're back. And ANP Investments, which is an expense in channels previously hindered by the global lockdown, such as travel retail and the on-trade, we're back. Um, if you go around uh, Tian Tian, if you happen to chance upon um, the activities that we're doing in, uh, in, um, in Singapore, in the travel retail shops in Singapore, in all the travel retail shops, in all the 400 airports where we operated, where we operate, 
um, we're back and we're activating the brands. We're also back in the on-trade. If you go around the on-trade anywhere from Shanghai all the way to New York, all the way to um, London, we have resumed activations. We have also resumed all our activations in what we call the off-trade supermarkets, bottle shops. And all of these are our investments and all of these are costs that we have put in because we are very confident that uh, when the markets have opened, we believe that uh, going back and uh, reactivating our brands is the right thing forward. Production costs have equally risen, and this has indeed taken a share in the bottom line. Uh, however, you know, Tian Tian, the way I look at this is um, amidst such um, costs that we have to uh, put in the, uh, uh, in the books because we believe that this is necessary, the business continues to sustain consumer demand. And that, for me, as a again, for uh, as a commercial, as a commercial man, that is very important for us because demand is what fuels our growth. And as long as demand is still high in key markets such as Asia and North America, that means um, all these investments that we're putting in the on trade, in travel retail, and other consumer engagements is a necessary cost for us to look at this. On a more long-term basis, I think this brings me to my next point as well. Because if we look at just Q3 earnings, the picture seems brighter. Net income attributable to the parent company up five percent year on year. How do you expect to close out 2023 then? Um, you know, we're very optimistic, uh, Tian Tian, that we will close the year with a strong performance. The single mode portfolio continues to enjoy a double-digit growth, and Brandy is enjoying a high single. Uh, growth and we believe that it's going to be a high single digit finish so how do we expect to close out in 2023 very very optimistic Hmm. and talking about optimism i believe uh, emperador said its international business continued to experience double digit growth owing to sustained sales of single malt whiskies across various markets within asia and also in north america tell us more about that and which is the fastest growing market for you right now Mm, um, Scotch whiskey, particularly Emperador's um, single malt portfolio, continues to be a formidable category in North America and uh, most especially in Asia. Uh, the Dalmore continues to be in global allocation because, as I mentioned earlier, the demand remains more than what it could supply. Brands such as Feta Kern and even Jura are now in the cusp of going into global allocation as well. Um, you know, do you know, uh, Tian Tian, that the biggest um, single malt market in the world, believe it or not, is here in Asia. It's actually it's Taiwan. The uh, it's it's Taiwan's single malt market is bigger than its blended whiskey market, and it's the only one in the world with that phenomena. You know, the Taiwanese consumers are very matured. They really know their whiskeys. And, uh, you know, one of the brands that we have there, which is very young, called Tamnavulin, is now in the top 10 brands. It ended up in the, and being in the top 10 together with Dalmore, which is also in the top 10, is not a simple feat, especially in a market like Taiwan. So in your question, what is the fastest growing market for you right now? Well, Asia is, as a geography continues to be a growth engine for whiskey, uh, for Emperador's whiskey agenda. All the other markets are growing, but Asia continues to be a growth engine for us. Do you foresee putting in more investments 
particularly within Asia and in Taiwan going forward then? Oh, yeah. We, we always have looked at uh, Greater China as a big opportunity for us. And uh, we have not reneged our commitment in investing against the trade against the consumer in these markets because um, we believe that the future of this Asia play will play a very significant role in the future of this category globally. Um, you, you know, the growth of brands in Asia, believe it or not, is just beginning. Uh, if you look at if you look at markets like Greater China or India, these markets have yet to show its full potentials. Uh, in in China alone, in mainland China alone, ninety um, percent of all spirits consumed in that region is what is called the uh, the Chinese white spirit, the baiju. And and brown spirits or imported spirits, which includes whiskey and and brandy has a very small share in that uh, in the total risk and total alcohol um, uh, beverage alcohol industry in in China but it is the fastest growing it is growing much faster than all categories so we believe in the next probably next decade or so China could be the biggest uh, market for whiskey in the world together with India so yes we definitely are um, managing seriously our uh, Greater China agenda. Mm. And as much as we talk about the demand side of things, right, let's take a look at supply side too, Glenn. Emperado earlier this year doubled the footprint of its distillery in Scotland through White and Mackay. Uh, what are the reasons for that and any production goals out of that site in the near future? Um, as I mentioned earlier uh, to Tian we see the demand of White and Mackay single malts will outpace its supply. And thus, by doubling the capacity, like for instance, we are going to double the capacity of the Dalmore Distillery. Um, uh, and it's, uh, it, you know, all of, this, uh, all of these initiatives is going to, the Dalmore Distillery is going to open um, in autumn of next year with a capacity that is double from what it had to excuse me, from what it could do previously. and um, But remember, Tian Tian, even if we double the, um, the production of the Dalmore, we will not be able to enjoy its benefit, at least for another 12 years. Because remember, whiskey, <coughs> unlike other spirits, um, where all you need to do is just open the tap and you could start bottling. Whiskey is aged. You have to age it. And you have to, and, and with the Dalmore, you have to wait at least 12 years for the Dalmore 12 year old to be made available. So even if we double the distillery in Dalmore, we will realize the benefits of that in 2036. So, um, but again, we are forward looking. We believe that. Uh, Doubling the production of Dalmore is going to be significant for us in, able, in, in order to sustain the uh, demand moving forward. Um, do we um, have any, as you asked earlier, do we have any production sites or production goals outside of Scotland? Well, right now we don't have any immediate plans, but we still can maximize the output from our uh, from our distilleries in uh, in Scotland, we've got 
We've got several distilleries in Scotland. One is the Dalmore, one is the Tangnabulin Distillery, one is the Fetakern Distillery, and we even have uh, and the Jura Distillery, and we even have a great distillery called Invergordon. And we we still can double and triple that uh, uh, as we move forward. So right now, no no immediate plans to go out of our production facilities in the UK. <laughs> Mm. And don't mind me asking this, uh, Glenn, since I've got you on the line, uh, which is that we've talked about some of your um, the beverages going as uh, as high as 20k US dollars per bottle, and it is for collections, collectors. Does it then make business sense somewhere down the road for your more premium brands for you to limit supply and up the price instead of, you know, um, having more production and to increase the supply to meet the demand? Well, that is actually what is happening right now, Tian Tian. Um, these, uh, these what we call rare and age releases are highly limited. Some of them, believe it or not, uh, will only have like 50 bottles globally. And, and one bottle per market, can you imagine that? So Singapore would have one bottle, Indonesia would have one bottle, Malaysia, China, Taiwan, Japan, Korea will only have one bottle each. That is actually happening right now. You know, when we released the Dalmore 50 a few years ago, there were only 50 bottles of this. And, um, and 50 bottles means only 50 markets will have it. Remember, I just mentioned we are available in at least 100 markets. So only 50 of those, of those markets, we will have this. Obviously, rare and age would command a price because it's, it's not just about, it's not about, um, you know, because it's a rare release, that's why it's expensive. No, because it's the way it was made, the age of that specific whiskey, the complexity of the liquid, all of these will play a role in the valuation of a whiskey. And, yep, these are limited releases. Price would play a, uh, a significant role, and that's, that's, how, the, that's how the whiskey, uh, the whiskey uh, category is played, especially from our case, uh, in, in, in the Dalmore. And before we let you go, Glenn, what are some future plans for Emperado for the rest of this year and into the next? What can we expect here from Singapore or from the wider Asia region? Well, um, again, just, just before that, uh, again, uh, Tian Tian, thanks for having me. Um, Emperador marches forward with uh, confidence um, and uh, it will continue to be a major player in the spirits industry globally. Uh, Singapore and Asia... Uh, will remain a growth engine for Emperador. The future of the spirits industry is, as I said, is in Asia. And we will make sure Emperador will be at the forefront. All right, exciting days indeed. Thanks a lot, Glenn. That was Glenn Malapas, CEO of Emperador International Division. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.